TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. From downtown Buffalo, it's Decision 2016, the race for Erie County District Attorney, a debate between John Flynn and Joseph Trainer III. This event is brought to you by WNED, WBFO, WGRZ, and the Buffalo News. And now, here's our moderator, WBFO News Director Brian Meyer. Thank you, and welcome to all of you listening and watching across western New York. Over the next 50 minutes, we'll learn more about the candidates for Erie County District Attorney who are seeking your vote on Election Day. Let's meet the candidates. John Flynn Jr. is running on the Democratic, Working Families, and Women's Equality lines. The Tonawanda resident is a former Naval officer and former Assistant District Attorney. He is currently the Town Attorney in Tonawanda and has a private law practice. Joseph Trainer III is running on the Republican, Conservative, Independence, and Reform Party lines. The Chitawaga resident is a retired U.S. Air Force J Colonel with nearly three decades of experience. Gentlemen, welcome. The candidates will be taking questions from our panelists. Claudine Ewing of WGRZ, thank you so much for being here. Nice to be here. And Bob McCarthy of the Buffalo News and, of course, WBFO's political analyst. Thank you, Bob. Good to be Appreciate here. I think it. we're going to have a good debate today. I Brian. think we will. <laughs> we'll be keeping general tabs on response times. We'll probably have some follow-up questions for the candidates. And at the end of our discussion, each candidate will have a minute to make some closing comments. The first question comes from Claudine, and it's for Mr. Flynn. Mr. Flynn, you have run for several uh, elected positions. You're a former town judge. You've either run for or your name has been associated with at least eight elected positions. Um, is this just another step in your political career, and how do you respond to those who say that you're just a politician? Well, I, I think that uh, it's true that uh, I have run uh, twice for public office before. Um, in the past 13 years. I ran for public office in uh, 2003, and I ran for public office in 2007. So I've only won twice in the past 13 years. Um, my name is mentioned for other things, uh, not by me, quite frankly, but others have mentioned my name for other positions because I think that people understand and realize that I believe in public service. Uh, I have served my country now for the past 28 years in the Navy. Uh, and since I've gotten off active duty, I've now served my community here locally in Tonawanda as a town councilman and as a town judge. And now the ne only next step I want to take is to be Erie County's next district attorney. That is what I've focused on. That is what I've actually wanted uh, previously. So uh, th this is a very important job, and I'm not looking for anything else. Um, you know, a lot of people say that the, the, the DA's office is a stepping stone to be a judge. Well, I've already been a judge. I've been there, done that. So now all I'm focused on and all I want to do is serve the residents of Erie County as their next district attorney. So, yeah, I, I do think it's unfair that I'm labeled as a politician. I'm not a politician. I'm a public servant. 
I'm a public servant who served my country in the Navy, who served my community in Tonawanda, and who now wants to serve the residents of Erie County. Mr. Trainer, your thoughts? Well, uh, with respect to myself, uh, I am certainly a prosecutor, not a politician. Uh, I've served over 28 years full-time active duty in the United States Air Force, 365 days a year, 24-7, as opposed to part-time after five years of active duty service that Mr. Flynn served in the JAG Corps, uh, rather than a couple of days you know, out of, out of a month, uh, a couple of days aggregate over the year. Certainly that doesn't add up. Uh, a year of reserve time does not anywhere near uh, approximate the experience that one derives from 365 days a year, 28 years. Not even close. Uh, in terms of why it is that I'm running for district attorney, service, pure and simple. Uh, I believe in, in serving my country. I gave virtually my whole adult life serving our nation when it was time to, to come home after, after service, rather than cashing in with a big DC law firm or any other city where I had been stationed, I wanted to come home because I believe in this community. And that's why I'm offering to serve as the district attorney. Pay to play sickens me. We've seen recently a Supreme Court justice uh, resign in disgrace for pay to play. And too much of that is going on. And with all due respect, I respect Mr. Flynn's service, but he is a politician. He has, he has run for many offices. And he has served in many different capacities, legislative, judicial, etc. I'm a prosecutor, not a politician, and I don't take money either. Bob, question. Good morning, Mr. Trainer. Morning, uh, sir. After DA Frank Sedita held this office for seven of the last eight years, what would you say about your future? Would you conduct the office differently, or would you plan to emulate his years as DA of Erie County? Okay. Well, the best way to answer that, Mr. McCarthy, is that I will draw upon my vast 28 full years of military experience and run the district attorney's office as a military office. Now, I, I don't mean to scare people off, because lots of folks have images of the military and what have you. But it's actually a splendid way to run an office because what you do is you make sure that you have properly trained individuals. You train them, you equip them, you supply them, you support them. You make sure they're ready to execute the mission. You give them your vision and you get out of their way and let them do their job. And you're always there to support them if they're deviating from the path a little bit to take corrective action. If they need corrective action, you counsel them in private. When they do well, you praise them in public. And you, you make them feel ownership of the office as well, as opposed to being a top-down micromanager. You know, that's the greatest strength of our nation and our armed forces, and that is you know, to trust good people to do their job, but to be there to support them all the way and to be there to correct them as the more old, experienced hand, if you will. So that's how I propose to run the district attorney's job. Mr. Flynn. Well, uh, the first thing is that um, Mr. Trainer uh, doesn't really know how to run the district attorney's office because he's never served in that office before. And again, to, to say that I'm a politician and Mr. Trainer is not a politician is, is, is disingenuous. Mr. Trainer ran for Cheektowaga Town Judge two years ago. He is now running for district attorney. So he has run for two offices now in two years. That, quite frankly, characterizes you as a politician. So to say that he's not a politician is being disingenuous. The fact of the matter is, is that Mr. Trainer's active duty military experience, 
does not correlate at all to the job that he has to perform if he's elected district attorney. The job of district attorney is a civilian occupation. It's a civilian job. The rules of evidence, the ways to run the office, cannot be mimicked by a military. No one in the DA's office is subject to the Uniform Code of Military Justice. We, they are all civilians. So, yes, you can bring the training skills, you can bring the leadership skills, you can bring all the skills that you developed in the military and serve as a leader in the DA's office, but without serving in the DA's office, without practicing law here in New York State, in our local courts, which he hasn't done, he has no idea on how to run the DA's office. Bob, you have a follow-up, I believe. Yeah, I was hoping both of you gentlemen could be a little bit more specific uh, in relation to how Mr. Sedita ran the office. and. Let me put it to you this way, that both of you have said that you would retain the public integrity unit established by D.A. Flaherty should you be elected. But what kind of priority would you assign to enforcing election law, prosecuting corruption, and things along those lines? I give it a high, pri a high priority. I mean, the, 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 fact, the, the biggest complaint that the prior administration in the D.A.'s office has is the fact that they didn't take on tough cases. That, that is the biggest complaint coming from not only the legal community, the community at large, Bob, but the law enforcement community as well. They have complained that the DA's office was reluctant to take on tough cases. And public corruption cases are difficult. They're not easy cases to deal with because there's a lot of evidence that has to be uh, accumulated. There's a lot of paperwork. It's not cut and dry like a robbery where you have an eyewitness. So you have to be willing to take on tough and difficult cases is which and what I will do that. Mr. Trainer. Yeah, I, I thought this was my question, actually. But, well, this uh, was a follow-up. Yes, so sir. We're but, trying to be a little but, more flexible. But let, let me say, Mr. Flynn's characterization of me not having the experience to run the DA's office is utterly ridiculous. I have done the DA's job in the military on numerous occasions. I have hired lawyers. I have trained lawyers. I have shown them how to prosecute cases. I have sat co-chair with them training them to prosecute those cases. I have done the same with paralegals. I have done the same with administrative staff. I have done this job numerous times. I don't believe Mr. Flynn ever has. He worked in the DA's office for a year and change working, working on five homicide cases, supposedly. We've heard nothing about how those cases were resolved, whether they were victorious, whether they were pled down or anything. Gentlemen. But, but if I may. Um, and to say that I would not take on tough cases is also ridiculous. I was known for the toughness of my prosecutions. I took so many cases that were purely circumstantial and secured victories. I lost one case in the military in over 40 fully litigated okay. trials, and that was a jury nullification case. Let's move on. We've heard many horror stories, both in this region and across the country, about wrongful prosecutions. Uh, people who have been locked up for years, sometimes even decades, for crimes they did not commit. How does a DA's office live up to the mandate of promoting law and order without veering into that very dangerous arena of overzealous prosecution? And Mr. Flynn, we'll start with you. Well, Brian, you have to have the overall philosophy that I have, which is it is much worse for an innocent person to go to prison than it is for a guilty person to go free. That is the cornerstone of our criminal justice system. So once you have that overall mantra, 
you have to permeate that down through the ranks of the DA's office. Training is a key way to do this. You have to train your people in the office to ensure that they are not being overzealous. You have to train them to ensure that they are following the evidence wherever it leads, ethically prosecuting the case to the best of their ability, but not pursuing a case where they believe that there is a question of doubt. And training, supervision, setting a tone in the office, these are ways you can ensure that no one is prosecuted who is not guilty. Mr. Trainer, actually, uh, I, I had an opportunity to deal with that issue, Brian. Uh, one of the cases that I prosecuted uh, as a young attorney, the night before the trial was to begin, the defense received ironclad alibi evidence, came to me the following morning, I took a recess, ran the issue up the convening authority flagpole, asked for permission to withdraw charges. I did so, and the judge said, you understand you can't bring charges again. I said, yes, Your Honor, I understand that, but it's the right thing to do because this is an innocent person. So I agree wholeheartedly that convicting an innocent person is, is the worst thing that can be done. And that's why, hearkening back to previous DA administrations, when I was still on active duty, I read about the Capozzi-Sanchez case, and I, I was crestfallen over the fact that when we had knowledge of an innocent man behind bars, still there was a delay in getting him out of prison. If I were the DA, I personally would have taken my car, if need be, to go to the prison to, re to retrieve that prisoner. Because even though that's highly, unlikely, highly unusual for a DA to make that kind of a move, the public image that that would have cultivated would have been necessary to show that when we make a mistake, we own up to it and we move heaven and earth to fix it ASAP. Thank you very much. You're watching Decision 2016, the race for Erie County District Attorney from the WNED WBFO studios here in Buffalo, New York. Claudine, you have a question. And this is for Mr. Trainer. The Erie County District Attorney's Office has been criticized over and over again for only wanting slam dunk cases. Mm -hmm. And so following up from what we've heard so far, if you are elected as District Attorney, how do you change that culture? Specifically, what do you do? Mm -hmm. That's a great question, Claudine. Um, you have to be fearless as a prosecutor. You have to be fearless to do the right thing all times, every time. And that means sometimes if the proof that you the evidence that you have available is not quote unquote slam dunk it doesn't matter you t you take your shots at cases that you believe in and that's part of where the art of advocacy comes in if you're a good prosecutor you know you should be able to convince you know a, a panel of jurors of someone's guilt even if it's not a slam dunk case I, I have never shied away from prosecuting hard cases and as i said uh, i've achieved convictions on many a case that are quote-unquote purely circumstantial. One in particular was a drug case where you had a sterling individual who had a great record and no one could believe that he did it. Well, that, that's probably about the hardest case that you can get because it was a, a positive urinalysis case and there was no eyewitness to it, but I was able to dig out enough evidence, you know, partnering with the law enforcement officials who were the investigators and the individual basically trapped himself with his own lies on the stand and I secured the conviction and so that philosophy will permeate all the people you know through all the people who would work for me say 
you can't be afraid of prosecuting a case that you think is is hard to prove. You know, the the the, the bigger the bigger the challenge, the sweeter the victory is what I say. Mr. Flynn, you can't be afraid to lose either, Claudine. You can't be afraid to do what's best for the victim and their families to help them get justice. And if you lose and you can look the family in the eye, which I've done. Mr. Trainer alluded to, you know, I, I prosecuted five homicides in one year, which was unheard of. And I lost one of those cases. But I was able to look the family in the eye and say, I did my best. I tried to get justice for your, for your loved one who died. And they were appreciative of that. So the, the biggest thing you can do is to not be afraid to lose a case. If you make sure that your assistant district attorneys have the mindset where they're, they're going to go in there and do the best job they can do and act professional, professional and ethical, but in the back of their mind know that they're not going to get yelled at if they lose, that sets a tone for the entire office. So these are the kind of things that uh, I have the experience in, quite frankly, that Mr. Trainer doesn't have the experience in. I mean, he wants to make a big deal about his military justice experience. And he uses a phrase on a number of occasions like, it's like riding a bike. Well, the DA's office is like riding a Harley, okay? Just last year, take this for instance, just last year, in the entire Air Force, there were 380 court-martials. That's worldwide in the entire Air Force. Here in Erie County, last year, we had 15,000 arraignments in Buffalo City Court and 14,000 arraignments in the Justice Courts. That's 30,000 cases that were opened up in the DA's office. His military experience does not give him the experience he needs for this job. Okay, let's move on, Bob. You have a question? Well, Mr. Flynn, along those lines, let's talk about that a little bit more. Maybe on a broader scale, if you would like to, is... Tell me why you think you're more qualified to be DA than your opponent. The entire military justice system is completely different than the criminal justice system we have here in New York State. First things, Mr. Trainer has alluded to in previous discussions, all right, that an Article 32 session is the equivalent to our grand jury, all right? Well, it really is not equivalent, okay? That, that, that's a common misconception. The Article 32 proceeding in the military, which I've done many of them, and I've actually been an Article 32 officer where I've adjudicated them as, as well, okay? That, that proceeding, the criminal defense attorney and the defendant are actually in the room and have a role in that proceeding. In our grand jury, the, the defense lawyer is not in the room. The, defend, the, the defendant is not in the room on most occasions, okay? So the, our grand jury proceeding is a total prosecutorial element, an event, that is unlike the military whatsoever. He's never done a grand jury proceeding. He's never done a felony hearing. We have a felony hearing proceeding here in New York State where a hearing is conducted to ensure that there's probable cause that a crime was committed. He's never done a felony hearing. As far as I know, he's never practiced law in a criminal court in New York State. I'm not sure how you can be the district attorney of New York, of Erie County, and never practice a criminal matter here in New York State. All the rules of evidence are different. The, the military rule, there's a book in the military called the Military Rules of Evidence. It lays out the entire rules of evidence that are in the military. We don't have a book in New York State. It's all case law. 
He doesn't know that at all. Mr. Trainer. Again, utterly ridiculous. Speaking of disingenuous, Mr. Flynn is the master of that. Because the fact of the matter is, he compared 380 court martials in the Air Force from last year alone, when the service is smaller, the number of trials are smaller, to the number of arraignments. Well, the last time I checked, John, an arraignment is not the same thing as a full-blown trial. So to try to compare them is apples and oranges. Secondly, that's a perfect illustration of a previous question about how do you make sure people aren't wrongfully convicted? The fact of the matter is, the military justice system takes greater care to make sure that wrongfully the wrongful accusations don't occur. They carefully sift through the evidence. They don't just, you know, willy-nilly do grand jury proceedings and get indictments. It's been said, jokingly, in the military many times that if you can't get an indictment in a, in a civilian grand jury, you know, I mean, it's, it's equivalent to, you know, getting a, you know, a ham sandwich could get an indictment. So, so to, to try to say that having not done a much easier civilian uh, criminal indictment practice, you know, that, that's to totally preposterous. I've done much harder work in the military. And with, with respect to uh, the Article 32 itself, I too have been an Article 32 officer. I too have sifted through the more stringent standards of proof. And frankly, the Article 32 proceeding is better than a civilian grand jury. The, the accused has many more rights. So if you can marshal a case through an Article 32 to an actual prosecution and trial, I kind of think you ought to be able to handle a grand jury or a felony hearing or anything easier along those lines. And with respect to not practicing in New York State, it is like riding a bike. Either you know how to litigate, either you have the skill set to convince a jury, okay. or you don't. It doesn't matter where the courtroom okay, is located let's, let's on this on. globe, whether it's Buffalo, Erie County, New York State, okay. or elsewhere around the world like Iraq. We, we have a different issue uh, with Claudine Ewing. Mr. Trainer, the New York State Commission of Correction issued its final report regarding the death of Robert Metcalf, 35 years old, mm -hmm. uh, back in 2012. He was an inmate at the holding center. They concluded that his death was a homicide due, due to traumatic asphyxia caused by improper restraint used by Erie County deputies. If you are elected district attorney, will you charge the deputies? Uh, great question, Claudine, and I've been asked it several times, and there is a clear distinction in, in my response. And it's the clear-cut distinction between a professional, career-experienced prosecutor versus a politician trying to make sensational headlines. The fact of the matter is, I have never said that I would not open an investigation. I have never said that I would not prosecute an individual if the facts warranted it. What I have said, however, for people who want to get me to commit is that it is inappropriate, it is premature for me to try to inject myself into the district attorney's job. Mr. Mr. Flaherty is the district attorney. It is his job, it is his lane to make this determination. For me to start spouting off like some barnyard rooster, you know, clucking about this is what I'll do and what have you, is unfair. And it's inappropriate because, and I've had experience with this before, when you start talking about what you're going to do and what others should do and what have you, you are tainting, at a minimum, you are tainting a potential jury pool. I care too much about Lady Justice. I want to ensure a fair trial for those who need to be brought to trial. And that is why I am not commenting on a case that is yet to come before us. 
when I'm district attorney, if the voters should, should favor me with their vote and I win the election, and it becomes my decision, I will act swiftly, believe me. Let's get some comments from Mr. Flynn. Well, the question that was asked by the media uh, last week was, if Mr. Flaherty does not act before his term ends, as district attorney, will you look into the matter? That, that was the question, okay? And that was a question that only I said yes to. So no one is tainting anything here. No one is telling Mr. <coughs> Flaherty how to do his job. No one's pressuring Mr. Flaherty on anything. No one's even commenting on whether or not anything was done improperly or wrong. I'm not predisposed to that at all. All I have said was I will look into the matter if the matter is not resolved by the time January 1st comes around. So again, for Mr. Trainer to say that I'm somehow tainting a jury here or I'm pressuring Mr. Flaherty, that's not true at all. What it shows is that I have the leadership abilities to do this job. I'm willing to take a stand, make a decision, not be wishy-washy, and answer a question directly. That's a difference in leadership. That's a difference between me and Mr. Trainer. You have a follow-up, I believe, Claudia. I do, because continuing on with the holding center, there's another case. There's the India Cummings case, and another chance, she's 27 years old, was 27, from Lackawanna, died after suffering severe injuries during a 20-day stay at the holding center. Her family in Rochester, uh, protesters here, have been screaming for justice. So what do you do about this case? Let's start with Mr. Trainer. Well, first let me say that both of these cases are extremely tragic. I, I don't ever want to lose sight of that fact. But what you say to the families is that I love pure justice and I will move heaven and earth to do justice, which means if the facts demonstrate that a criminal offense has been committed, I will pursue that to the ends of the earth. What I won't do, however, is publicly comment on cases which could potentially come before potential members of the community as jurors to, to, to give them any predisposed explanation or in any way affect their impartiality. That, that's why I don't count. I'm certainly not wishy-washy, and if we're talking about leadership, I have the leadership to say no to political contributions and money. I walk the talk. Mr. Flynn. Well, we need a better relationship with the DA's office and all law enforcement. That, that, that's a starter right there. Um, one of the criticisms of the DA's office that I've heard in my campaign over the course of the last nine months was that the relationship between law enforcement and the DA's office has been strained. And we need to fix that. And I believe that I'm in the best position to fix that because every police organization in this county that has made an endorsement has endorsed me. I've been endorsed by the New York State Troopers, the New York State Police Investigators, the Erie County Sheriffs, the Buffalo Police Department Union, Amherst, Cheektowaga, Tonawanda, City of Tonawanda, the Western New York Police Association, which covers all the suburban police uh, unions in Erie County. We need to work together with the holding center and the people who are in the jails to make sure that these things never happen again. Bob, you have a question, and we'll start with Mr. Flynn. It is for Mr. Flynn, and uh, let's talk about the SAFE Act, if we could. Very controversial. What would be your attitude toward enforcing it? Priority, low priority, high priority, what? Well, a as a district attorney, as you know, Bob, um, 
we are not in a position to pick and choose what laws we want to prosecute. I'm not here running for state senate or for congressman, so I'm in no position to change the law. Only position the DA's office has is to enforce the current laws that are on the books. And I will enforce all laws that are on the books. If the state legislature chooses in their wisdom to change the SAFE Act, then I will enforce that law. But whatever laws are out there, the district attorney is not in a position to pick and choose what laws they can prosecute. We must follow the law, we must follow the evidence, and we must prosecute crimes that are brought before us. Mr. Trainer. <clears throat> well, first of all, uh, the reason why I perhaps don't have endorsements, that's a great thing, because I'm an outsider, okay? That said, I am also an honorary security forces policeman with the Air Force because I have worked so closely with them, they honored me with that distinction. Throughout my career, I've, I have worked very closely with the, the National Security Administration, Office of Special Investigations, FBI, Central Intelligence Agency, uh, uh, Defense Intelligence Agency where I was stationed. So in terms of having the ability to interact well and partner with law enforcement agencies, I, I have that multiple times over any endorsements that may be forthcoming. And I will work very closely with all police and law enforcement. With respect to the SAFE Act, there is such a thing known as prosecutorial discretion. And Mr. Flynn is correct that our job as a district attorney is to enforce the law. However, there are some laws which are inherently flawed and I submit that the SAFE Act is one of those such statutes. There are very serious Second Amendment uh, questions about that statute. And it is not my intention to turn otherwise law-abiding citizens into convicted felons because of the SAFE Act. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to enforce the SAFE Act. It doesn't mean that I'm going to turn a, bl turn a blind eye towards prosecuting any and all gun offenses. It means that there is prosecutorial discretion that every prosecutor has, and you can pick and choose how you enforce the law, not whether or not to enforce a law. Bob That's a very a, important distinction. Bob McCarthy from Buffalo News with a follow-up. Uh, Mr. Flynn, how do you respond to that? And how do you respond to uh, your opponent's characterization of the SAFE Act? The, the, the district attorney is in no position to make a determination when they're evaluating a case as to which laws are flawed or not flawed. That, that is a dangerous road for any prosecutor to take. And I know Mr. Trainer has called himself a career prosecutor. Well, in all actuality, he's not really a career prosecutor, okay? But any career prosecutor who's literally a career prosecutor can tell you that it's a dangerous path to take. If you are out there as a district attorney making a determination on what laws are flawed and what laws are not flawed. You can't do that. Mr. Trainer, quickly. Yes, sir. It is, that is why district attorneys have an overarching responsibility. It's called to pursue justice over and above micromanaging and checking the box of every little statutory provision. It's called independent judgment. That's what occurs after you've had a lifelong career as a prosecutor, not a politician, okay? You, you discern. That's how you prevent 
unjust convictions. That's one example from harkening back to another question. You have to have the professional experience to discern how to apply the laws, and every district attorney has that discretion. Let's move on to another major issue, a drug overdose, the leading cause of accidental death in the U.S. We know that pain relievers are major culprits. Some call it an epidemic. What role should prosecutors play in grappling with this problem? I mean, specifically, how do you achieve um, a balancing act, if you will, between showing compassion for abusers without diminishing the powers of prosecution? And we'll start with Mr. Trainer. Another great question, because, you know, opioid uh, overdoses and, and, and drug abuse is a scourge to our community. But there is a clear distinction that has to be made between victim addicts versus the heartless pushers, the suppliers, the distributors, the sellers of this poison. And that is why the first thing you do as a district attorney, as a prosecutor, is to prosecute those dealers to the fullest extent of the law because th they help destroy society. With respect to addicts, they need to be held accountable, but there's a different way to hold them accountable. You make sure they get treatment, you give them a second chance, and a third chance if need be sometimes, depending upon the unique facts. The other thing that I believe district attorney's office ought to do is to partner with many worthwhile community agencies because this is truly an interdisciplinary problem. The district attorney's office by itself can't solve this problem. It, it can play a big role in terms of hammering the pushers and making it a huge disincentive to, to commit these crimes, but you also have to partner with leaders of, of other community organizations. And that's one of the great blessings I had a year ago when I worked as a leadership executive with the United Way. I met so many fantastic individuals, and I'm aware of lots of agencies that are available to help. And I would reach out to them, and I would use the personal relationships that I've already cultivated with them. Mr. Flynn. Brian, one of the biggest things that I learned as a judge, and I was a judge in Tonawanda and an acting Buffalo City Court judge, was to tell the difference between the really bad guys who deserve to be in jail and those who deserve a second chance. That's what I learned as a judge. That's what I will bring to the DA's office. And again, it's twofold, like you said. There's a balancing act here. We have to balance what we do with the people who are pushing this poison on our kids, the dealers. They have to be dealt with with a very strong hand. The users, it's a whole different story. When I was a judge, I was a big proponent of judge court. I sent many, many cases to Judge Russell's drug court here in the city of Buffalo because I believe they did deserve a second chance. You know, if you look at the stats, about 80 or 90 percent of the individuals who are addicted to opioids, they got their initial dosage from a legal prescription whether they were injured in an accident, whether they were hurt in some fashion, had a medical condition, they initially got it from a legal prescription, and then it developed into an illegal part, heroin, uh, uh, abusing the illegal drugs that, that they were given. So you gotta recognize that. We gotta work with our partners. The DA's office right now has an ADA who's part of the task force here in Erie County that's working on that problem. I will be fed up. In addition, one last thing here, very important. The, the, the Narcotics Bureau 
was a standalone bureau in the office when I was when I was a DA. That narcotics bureau under Sedita was disestablished. Flurry brought it back. I'll make it stronger. You are watching Decision 2016, the race for Erie County District Attorney from the WNEDWBFO studios in Buffalo, New York. Claudine Ewing, you have a question for Mr. Flynn. Mr. Flynn, minority hiring, many cases um, handled in the Erie County District Attorney's Office involves prosecuting minorities, especially black males, Hispanic males. Yet that office is very short when it comes to assistant district attorneys who are people of color. Will that change if you are elected district attorney? And is it even necessary? Yes, it, it, it's necessary because the DA's office needs to reflect the community at large. In my opinion, all governmental institutions need to reflect the community at large. And the DA's office does not do that. And yes, it will change. Up until this January, there were approximately, and are approximately, 90 assistant district attorneys in the office. There were two African Americans. That's got to change. Of the 16 investigators that are in the office right now, investigators that work with law enforcement to investigate the crimes that occur in our community, you know how many African Americans there are, Claudine? None. Not one. That needs to be changed. I am going to work with UB Law School. John Elmore, Attorney John Elmore is a law partner of mine. And John Elmore is one of the most prominent African American attorneys in this town. He has a mentoring program at UB Law School where he mentors African-American law students at UB. I have pledged to work with Mr. Elmore in that program and to do what I can to ensure that the office is representative of the community. Mr. Trainer, I agree. I have, uh, in my 28 plus years full-time active duty Air Force Service, I have been blessed to work with tremendous teammates from all across America. You know, it's a cross-section of our society. Both genders, all races, all faiths, all creeds, whatever. And everybody bleeds the same color, red. And the fact of the matter is, when you're part of the greatest team in the history of the world, as I was privileged to be, you know, you understand and value the teamwork and the diversity that comes you know, with, with tapping into the talents of everyone in society. So absolutely, I am a big proponent of inclusiveness as well. I've lived that my whole life. That said, with respect to, you know, targeting X number of billets or what have you, I believe we're better than that. I believe that we can find wonderful qualified candidates from all walks of life and from all races, from all creeds, what have you. Uh, I, I like the idea of, of reaching out. Uh, I was a professional uh, recruiter for a year in the JAG Corps with the Air Force, uh, going out to law schools all over the country, and I would be delighted to continue doing that uh, to attract and, and recruit good minority candidates, absolutely. Bob, you have a question for Mr. Trainer, and uh, we realize that you are largely self-financing your campaign this year, but should you be successful, would you ever accept contributions from employees of the DA's office? And we would like to hear what Mr. Flynn has to say about that, too, uh, whether he is now or, or would, should he be elected? Easy answer, Bob. No. I would never accept contributions from any employees who work for me. It's improper. It is coercive. 
or at least there is the impression there. And I also believe that it's potentially divisive to the office because, stay with me on this one, think of it this way. If subordinate X contributes, you know, a, a hefty contribution to the boss and subordinate Y can't do the same and subordinate X gets a promotion within the office, what do you think subordinate Y is going to think of that? They're going to think that subordinate X got promoted because of the contribution they gave the boss. So I'm never going to do that. It's, it, in my view, it's, it's unethical, and it is contrary to fostering good teamwork and mission success. So I would never do that. But also, as you've pointed out, I don't take money from anyone in this campaign. And there, that is a huge distinction between myself and Mr. Flynn. Mr. Flynn. If you, look, if you look at the New York State you know, Board of Elections website, you will see that Mr. Flynn has, through the 3rd of October, raised over th well, roughly $350,000, a smidge less. Of that $350,000, $137,000 of it has come from lawyers, okay, the very well, people who are going to be coming to his door to try to get a deal on behalf of their I'm, I'm on record, Brian, back in January when I first started this campaign, saying that I will not accept solicit or take any contributions from anyone who works in that office. I pledge that throughout this entire campaign and I pledge that when I become DA. As far as Mr. Trainer being self-funded, that is totally not true. There was a conservative primary that was conducted in September. There was almost $10,000 in negative mailings that were mailed against me paid for by the Republican Party. He took money for his campaign from the Republican Party for that primary election. And now, it's my understanding right now, that the Republican Party has placed ads, television ads, locally now, to run for next week. So you can't say that you're self-funding your own campaign when you're allowing the Erie County Republican Party to spend money on your behalf. It's not true when he says he's self-funding. He's being disingenuous, and, and, and he must think the voters of Erie County are naive by saying that. Claudine Ewing, you have a question. Uh, Mr. Flynn, yes. what's your relationship going to be with law enforcement agencies? We talked about this briefly. They are very eager, as we've seen, to hand out endorsements to various candidates. So should the DA serve as a check and balance against law enforcement? Yeah, I, I, I will have... I will have an outstanding relationship with law enforcement, but they all know, just like every lawyer in this town knows, okay? Again, the accusation has been made that just because a lawyer contributes to my campaign, that they're somehow, I'm somehow beholden to them. That, that, that's insulting, okay? It's the same thing for law enforcement agencies. No law enforcement agency has endorsed me with the promise of any favors. That's not gonna happen. Everyone knows my reputation, okay? I was a judge for over four years in Buffalo City Court and in Tonawanda. I had numerous, hundreds of lawyers appear in front of me. These lawyers contributed my campaign too. I defy anyone to find any lawyer out there who will say that I ever did a favor for anyone, I acted unethical at any time at all. It's just not true. So just because law enforcement agencies endorse me, they know I'll be firm but fair. Just because lawyers give me money, they give me money because they know 
I'll be the best DA. The entire legal community supports me. The entire law enforcement community supports me. And the Buffalo News endorsed me yesterday, okay? So everyone in this community sees and recognizes that I am clearly the best candidate for DA. And the, the reason why I'm the best candidate is because I'll be fair and ethical. Period. Mr. Trainer, first of all, speaking of fairness, it is a bold-faced lie for Mr. Flynn to claim that I'm disingenuous or taking money from others. Again, I invite you to look at the New York State Board of Elections website. You will see that I pay for my own campaign. My fundraising is zero dollars. The fact of the matter is, if I, if I were taking money from others, if I were colluding with others, that would be an offense a violation of the law and I would not do that. I have no idea what other people are doing or not doing. The fact of the matter is, even if, even if I were aware that some outside agency was doing something for or against me, I have no control over that. Sure people have a First Amendment right to support the candidates of their choice. In, in terms of speaking of, of taking money, again if you look at the website you will see that Mr. Flynn has taken $10,000 from Jeremy Zellner, who is under the FBI spotlight. So, you know, that is natural that the, a party is going to support their candidate. That said, with respect to the question, Very law quickly. enforcement relationships, I think it is utterly naive to ask the people of Erie County to think that the lawyers who donate money don't expect something in return. We Look are, at Molly Massara. We, She's given over $10,000, and, and the word on the street is she wants back in to Mr. Thank you, Flynn's but we're out of time. We have win. time literally for a 15-second response to this. You both mentioned your military experience. Some listeners and viewers might be confused. Is is it a plus or a minus? 15 or 20 seconds, Mr. Flynn. Well, it's definitely a plus because in my 28 years of military service, I have lived by our three core values, honor, courage, and commitment. I've lived my adult life by those core values. Uh, my, my wife and I instill those core values in our five children, and I promise to bring those core values into the DA's office. Mr. Trainer, Military experience is absolutely a huge, crucial positive. If it weren't, Mr. Flynn wouldn't be trying to equate his reserve service in the military to be equal to my full-time active duty service. In terms of core values, integrity first, service before self, which is how I've lived my whole life, excellence in oh. all we do. Okay. Each candidate now has a minute for some closing comments, and Mr. Flynn, we'll start with you. Well, thank you very much, uh, uh, Brian, and I want to thank uh, uh, WNED Channel 2 and the Buffalo News for uh, holding this endorsement. I think the choice is clear for voters on November 8th as far as who you want as your next district attorney. It's clear that I am the only candidate who has the legal experience to do this job. By his own admission, Mr. Trainer admitted that he has never practiced law in a criminal court here in New York. I'm not sure how you can be district attorney of Erie County if you've never practiced criminal law here in a local courtroom. Mr. Trainer says he's not a career, pro a career, a career pro uh, politician. He's run for office twice in the past two years. He's clearly a politician. He says he's a career prosecutor. He hasn't been a career prosecutor his whole life. Bill Hochul was a career prosecutor. Frank Sedita was a career prosecutor. These are people who practice tr criminal trial law their entire life. He hasn't. And he says he ha he, he's self-funding his campaign when it's clear that the Republicans have donated money and helped him in his campaign. That's a difference voters Thank need you. to see. Mr. Trainer. Mr. Smith goes to Washington, one of my favorite movies. That is the spirit of service with which I come to the voters 
on, on behalf of my quest to be district attorney. The fact of the matter is, I am the only candidate who has done this job and has done it numerous times in the military. Whether or not I've practiced criminal trials in a military courtroom or a, or a room inside the city of Buffalo is irrelevant and it's ridiculous. I am the only candidate who is independent, who cannot be bought, who will not take money, who has not taken money, and who won't take money. The fact of the matter is, I am the candidate who is truly independent. I am the candidate who has done this job before. I am the candidate who the voters know will supply them pure justice. Truth, justice, the American way. That is what Joe Trainer is all about. And with all due respect, as I've said, um, if the voters should, should okay. favor me with their vote, they will not be sorry. And this will bring our discussion to an end. Thank you to our panelists and to the candidates. And finally, we thank you for listening and watching. Now it's time to make your voice heard. Please remember to vote on Election Day, Tuesday, November 8th. I'm Brian Meyer. Have a great day. audio platform with something for everyone news in order to secure convictions in a court of law it is essential that we conclusively sports that clock at four Donchich. the step back three you bet. music you set my world on fire. and even podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on tune in go to tune in.com or download the tune in app to start listening